On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Shachtan and Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Iruk the end of Chacht Erechor. Agus Suligam a Makan Shah Gurfeder Echor in Uik Kart Len of Winter Fame. Skilti Fis Turmi. Tashe Dochretche Nach Vetoch Ara Igornamion on Kestin Echol. Vientalam Aginom Griv Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. The Cabinet has signed off on the National Development Plan Project Ireland 2040, which will commit to expenditure on capital projects totalling more than $165 billion. It's the largest state-led building programme in our history. But can the environmentally conscious plan really transform Ireland in a COVID recovery era? The NDP is hugely significant in terms of the future development of the country, but this plan is riddled with contradictions. So to lure people away from their cars, we need to acknowledge and address why people drive in the first place. Maybe the question is not how to get people out of their cars, but rather how do we reduce the time we spend travelling. I'm Siobhan Maguire and you're listening to In Focus, the current affairs podcast from independent.ie. Today, I'm joined by the Irish Independence Ireland editor, Fiannan Sheehan, and Irish Independence motoring correspondent, Geraldine Herbert. Fiannan Sheehan, the National Development Plan, in a nutshell, what is it? What can we expect? And how will these come to pass? It's it's effectively setting out what what needs to be built um, and for the country to to operate uh, effectively over the, the next the course of the next decade, given demographic changes and population changes um, in the country as a whole and and in individual areas. So it's how do you want to see the country develop uh, in terms of roads, railway schools, um, hospitals, uh, water infrastructure and so on, all coming together in uh, the best part of a a 200-page document uh, and outlining sector by sector uh, what is being aspired to, I suppose is the best best way to put it. So this is the intention to go ahead uh, and and to to do these things. It's, It's also, in this case, it's, it's, it's very much a re-announcement of what was previously announced. So three years ago, 2018, the Fine Gael, then minority government propped up by, by Fianna Fáil in the confidence supply arrangement brought out effectively this NDP in its, in, in its original form, uh, Project Ireland 2040, uh, it, was, it was called, and it set out most of the projects here. What's interesting about this report is that even though it's a review, you expect when something is reviewed after three years, things would be taken out and, and put in and so on. So there's an additional 
uh, items put in, but there's nothing taken out. So they're basically saying that in the in the last three years, they haven't identified any project that they think now should not go ahead, despite the changes that have happened. Uh, for example, in in COVID with COVID nineteen, uh, the additional priority uh, on housing and climate change being being put higher up on the agenda. So that's what un, is unusual about it. And that's also what's kind of shambolic about it in that it makes it very much a, a politicised document that they don't want to disappoint anybody who's been promised something already. And having had 48 hours to digest exactly what is being rolled out or being planned by the government, we have the aspect of transport, which is key, which also seems to be in contradiction to having a, a cleaner, greener environment in Ireland as we tackle climate change. So public transport will get 12 billion in funding. Roads projects is to get 6 billion, uh, 4 billion to be spent on walking and cycling infrastructure. My colleagues know that for me, probably one of the key projects is investing in Cork, Galway, Waterford, Limerick and not just Dublin. And if I was to cite examples of projects that are key in that regard, it's the likes of the Metropolitan Rail system for Cork, building this new line from Middleton to Mallow, new stations en route, really fa- fast frequency, high quality services as a huge development project for Cork, as well as the bus connects and greenways and all the other infrastructure. Now, Fionnon, you had an article the other day on the state of our roads in Ireland and um, you pointed out that um, one road in particular, the main route between Cork and Limerick, um, is a single lane um, and that that's between two out of every five kilometres on that route and doesn't even have a hard shoulder. So can we expect major, major um, reconstruction of our roads now? Are we going to have a, a good standard in in terms of our roads, yeah. So that 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 road between Cork and Limerick uh, is is symbolic and is also a microcosm of the, the problem with 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 this NDP. So going back to the the nineteen eighties, it was identified as as in, in in need of an upgrade. It was in, included in previous NDPs. The aspiration um, is that. that Cork being the second city in the country and Limerick as as the third city in the country should be working more and more closely together. Um, there are problems there culturally and with identity and so on, but part of the problem is that the transport links between the, the two cities are, are not good enough. So what was included in the NDP three years ago was effectively the, the M20, where you would drive a motorway up uh, from Cork, up through Blarney Mallow, Charleville, uh, Croom and up to... to Limerick City and you'd effectively be able to get from the one city to the other in the space of an hour. And this was with a view towards uh, providing a counterbalance to, to Dublin, uh, an investment uh, substantially in, in regional d- development and you know, just just seen as being not all roads have to to, to lead to, to Dublin. I mean, we have a, the M17, M18 motorway, which effectively goes from, from Shannon up to, up to Galway, is effectively the only motor in the country that doesn't have a sign on it, post on it saying Dublin. So this would be, it would be symbolic and significant to actually complete this road. Now what we found in this NDP is that it's now kind of downgraded, well, it might be the N20, which is basically kind of a bit of an upgrade of what's, what's there already. It might have a few bypasses on it. I'm sure they cut a few ditches, but it doesn't really say that there is a massive commitment towards viewing that Limerick 
Cork Corridor, which is also part of your your Atlantic, uh, your Atlantic seaboard, whereby you, you shift development towards the west of Ireland. That that's overall committed to. Certainly, the the Minister of Transport, Eamon Ryan, has been exceptionally watery uh, on it. We know that in the production of this report, there was a significant row between the, the Green Party and Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael around uh, focusing on bypasses rather than than on motorways. The Green Party got their their commitment in the programme for government that to be a two to one spend between public transport uh, and roads as, as you've outlined uh, on, on those figures but again not clear there is that each year is that based project by project or is that at the tail end when you look back and you go oh well that's that's what that's how to spend uh, balance out so it's it's one of the contradictions in there they're telling us on the one hand well, oh yeah we're committed to regional development absolutely but then when you get down into the nitty gritty on it you're not even going to build a, a proper road between the, the the second and third cities in the country, which should open up the the whole of the the south uh, and the midwest, uh, that that entire area to try and counterbalance the the increasing uh, growth of Dublin. So you know, I, I think that that's what comes across in this report. There's just so many contradictions in terms of environmentalists who say, well, "Why are you committing to so many roads if you're also committed to climate change?" That 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 doesn't uh, add up. You have this this regional balance. Uh, you've you've got this issue around. Oh yeah, we're, we're committed to people working from home, but you know, and, and there's going to be regional hubs for public sector workers and so on and so forth. But we're not going to move any of the jobs out of out of uh, out of Dublin. But we expect other sectors of of industry uh, to do so. So it's like as if they got the report from three years ago and didn't really take account of everything that's happened in the last eighteen months. Has illustrated the real potential that rural Ireland has for the twenty first century. And with my colleague, Minister Humphreys, we're working to ensure that flexible working becomes a lasting legacy of this pandemic, especially for our rural towns, villages and districts. It's going to be a permanent shift in how and where work is done. Rural Ireland has a bright future. And with this plan, we have a, we have a blueprint to develop that and also to develop more livable and sustainable cities. The task now is to make sure it's done. And you mentioned earlier, uh, all roads lead to Dublin. And um, just while researching the piece, I started looking back over the decades and our, our our history with upgrading roads or indeed the problems we've experienced. And you can go right back to 1965, where Shannon was being lauded as this incredible new hub in Ireland. And, you know, watch out, Dublin, that kind of context. Shannon may one day be Ireland's international city with a unique status of being almost a country on its own. A city created in the jet age, yet one which will never be without the touch of the green. And you don't need to spell it out for flyaway visitors. And then you fast forward to now and that that relevance hasn't quite kicked in. Again, you can look at the infrastructure in the area and how long it's taken to put actually decent roads in or around Shannon. Um, the other aspects uh, are the, the potholes, the, the narrow roads. It comes as a bit of a shock to see the antics of drivers trying to get around the obstacle course, which is grandly titled Your Route 30. For juggernauts and coach drivers, it's like threading a needle as they manoeuvre their vehicles under the two small rail bridges on the road between Waterford City and New Ross and County Wexford. We're what you'd call a road-heavy country. We have a, an, an awful lot uh, of, of road networks um, to be maintained uh, across across the country. It, it goes back uh, for historical reasons. 
um, around the quality of the land, around the uh, amount of distance you could move uh, a herd of cattle on, on, an in, on an individual day and so on, and how it goes back to, to Viking times and how they've, they've, they've formed their, their settlements. So as a result, we have got these, these vast number of roadways. There is a commitment in the, in the programme to, to spend a, a lot of money on, on the, the maintenance of the existing thing, road network. But obviously people will look at, at the East Coast and say, well, you've got your motorway going from w- one end uh, to the other. You've got your your arterial routes. You've got your your ring roads uh, around the, the the capital city, and other places have have been left behind. Um, so I suppose that that's what what does come across uh, is that there there doesn't. The, the overarching commitment towards regional balance is there. You've got the National Planning Framework as well, which identifies uh, Cork and Limerick as as the major growth areas. Likewise, developing Waterford and Galway um, in in the southeast uh, and, and the west. But yet, the the Galway Outer Ring Road isn't quite committed to it. It's there in writing, but the Minister of Transport uh, isn't in favour of it. So. There shouldn't be such an emphasis on roads. In the National Development Plan, isn't just all about roads, but it is very much the bone of contention between the the coalition parties in in terms of how they view the development of the country. It's also very tangible for people. People can see how the the southeast of the country was opened up. Um, that that corridor uh, going through Kildare uh, down to Carlow, Kilkenny, Waterford, as a result of the, the development of the of the, the motorway to Waterford during the, during Celtic Tiger times, and they can see that that, that is of economic benefit uh, to people. It makes the, the area more attractive if you can get from point A to point B. It gives you broader options in terms of education and 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 careers, um, and and where you where you you can live, and and that's why there is such a, an enormous uh, emphasis on that aspect of the report. Geraldine Herbert, motoring correspondent for the Irish Independent. We're focusing on the transport aspect of the National Development Plan. Um, And it is quite meaty, isn't it? But we have to take into account that uh, we have have a very long um, history and love affair with our motor car, primarily because those of us living outside of cities desperately need that to be able to link in with any particular town or village. Yeah, we do indeed, Siobhan. Now, I mean, I suppose the the plan is very ambitious and, uh, you know, it does favour public transport over roads, which in fairness, if we're going to be serious about meeting our climate change goals, that's the sort of move we need, you know, we need need to be looking at. Um, But I'm sure rural Ireland is is concerned as well, because, yes, as you say, we are car dependent very much so in rural Ireland. And I think that's because it's as much to do with our housing policies and our planning that goes back for years. You know, we've had a long tradition of these patterns of development that make us travel further each year. And we you know, we have these large scale housing developments that are designed around car usage. And you know, to tackle the rural land issue is going to take a lot. And public transport is a lot more uh, problematic in rural Ireland. And it, it, it's, a, it's a much, much bigger challenge than in cities. So 
So yes, uh, Siobhan, there's, there's a huge task in hand, definitely. It is favourable to look upon um, developing our, our public transport system and, and you know, in, in this climate crisis, uh, Geraldine, really doing what we possibly can, even that if that means leaving the car behind. Now, for those of us who do still have to rely on the car, I mean, you know, electric vehicles are a credible option now, aren't they? And I even, I even found clips uh, about the first electric vehicle in Ireland back in 1981. So um, really, it is uh, something we should all be considering. We've had electric milk floats, we've had electric bread vans, but this is the first all-electric motor car to go on general sale in Ireland and indeed in most of Europe. This two-seater will set you back 5,900 pence, but it could provide an answer to spiralling petrol costs because the company which is selling it here in Ireland says that you'll get the equivalent of 177 miles per gallon if you use off-peak electricity. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, we do we have we do have climate change goals to meet. And part of that is this transition from moving people not so much out of cars. Obviously, moving people out of cars is a big component. But there is moving the idea of moving people away from petrol and diesel into electric cars. Now that is happening, Siobhan, it's happening slowly, but I suppose if we look at, if we go back to 2016 and petrol and diesel cars accounted for 98% of all new car sales. So, you know, there was literally all of the cars we bought for petrol and diesel. That figure is 66%. So that means that one in three new car buyers walking into a car dealership now are no longer opting for petrol and diesel. So the change is happening. The figures are still quite small, but there is a change in mindset and people are moving towards electric cars. So I think while the target when it was announced in 2019 for 1 million EVs on our roads by 2030 seemed incredibly ambitious, it's actually a lot more achievable now and it's becoming more achievable all the time. We are seeing more and more and choice in terms of electric cars and we're seeing prices come down. But there's still an issue with Pride on that, you know, the average age of an Irish car on uh, at the moment is about nine years old. So for people driving nine-year-old cars, it's very hard for them to move from an old car into you know the cost of a new car. Never mind the cost of an electric car. So we're still a few years away from really seeing that tipping point in favour of electric cars. And you make a, a very good point, actually, when we talk about um, the transport issue from the, the plan itself, uh, Geraldine, and, and it is merely just that, a, a focus on one aspect of it. You say there has to be joined up thinking because in order to um, put a transport plan in place that, that is cleaner and greener, it has to join up with the fact that, that housing has to get better, infrastructure must get better. Oh, absolutely. And I suppose the Netherlands is the best example of this. They have world-leading, high-quality cycle infrastructure, and yet 60% of all the trips to work are made by car. Now, you'd have to ask yourself why, when people have the choice to cycle safely, they still opt to use their car. And the reason is because people are making longer and longer journeys. And we have exactly the same issue here, because the housing crisis is forcing people to move further and further from where they work. So those you know, nine times out of ten can only be tackled by car. We really need to look at, you know, where we live and our housing policy, all of these things. And, um, you know, the, all of these things contribute to how we manage traffic and we travel demand management and all of these things. And it's, it, I suppose it explains part of the resistance 
against policies that are aimed at reducing our usage because people feel they're being excluded from these decisions and they feel that they don't have alternatives. So we need to be really, really mindful. So I think the question we should be asking is not how to get people out of their cars, but rather how do we reduce the amount of time people spend travelling. There's very substantial funding underpinning the plan, so it's not a wish list. One is going to see very large capital investment in this country for the next 10 years. We need to modernise our infrastructure, we need to modernise our country and do so in a way that meets the climate change agenda that we have set ourselves. Geraldine Taoiseach Micheál Martin there saying that uh, this plan is not a wish list, but is it? Well, I think there are elements of a, of a wish list, definitely. I mean, you know, we've had plans on delivery are two very different things and we've had plans in the past. I think the likes of the Metro North project being delayed for as long as it is and yet there's still no completion date in the, in the plan doesn't instill confidence in people. There are over 30 road projects that are listed in the plan but are not guaranteed to happen. That creates a huge amount of uncertainty. Also, I think in terms of the road projects, while it's, you know, it's very necessary that these are assessed in terms of their environmental impact, we should also be considering the safety aspects in terms of roads. There was a recent um, economic assessment of the proposed N20 Cork to Limerick motorway project, and it's estimated that that would prevent approximately 118 accidents per year. Now, this would equate to an annual saving of 12.4 million. So, I mean, the safety aspects need to be on a par with the environmental aspects also when we're considering what road projects should go ahead and what shouldn't. That was Geraldine Herbert, Irish Independence motoring correspondent. And my thanks also to Fionnán Sheehan, Ireland editor at the Irish Independent. This episode of In Focus was produced and presented by myself, Siobhan Maguire, with research by Tabitha Monaghan and sound design by John Smith. Archive clips with thanks to independent.ie and RTE. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts.